0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ray's Music Reviews, featuring me, of course, Ray and KP. And today we'd like to present a bit more of a concept episode, that being overrated slash underrated albums. It's been a while since we've done just an episode in general, much less a concept episode, and we will continue after this.
1: Welcome to Ray's Music Reviews. Come along as Ray embarks on a musical journey by deep diving into artists, genres, and albums of his choosing. And now, Ray
0: reviews this is going to be a two-part episode of raised music reviews where we talk overrated and underrated records the general concept of this episode will of course be both me and kp will each have a list of albums that in our opinion are overrated and or underrated well three each we'll have to explain these takes and hopefully we'll get some uh, conversation going. We will begin with the overrated records to just get the get the bad stuff out of the way first. I will begin with my with my pick for overrated record. This is really the only record in this selection that I dislike generally and that would be Panic at the Disco's A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. Well, I find the singles to be pretty nice generally. What are the singles? The singles would be I Write Sins Not Tragedy, of course, massive hit, but it's better if you do, which, again, I really like that song as well. And Lying is the most fun a girl can have. Great song. I do do like those songs, but I do generally feel as if the album's deep cuts are not as, I guess, single-worthy. I'd say this album is fairly single-heavy. I find it a bit uncohesive, and I also kind of feel like it kind of relies on its aesthetic a lot. I don't think it's aged particularly well either. I, I think that what Elvis Presley was to Chuck Berry, um, I find Panic! at the Disco were to Fallout Boy. <laughs> okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, and, and I think that this album kind of generally just fi- kind of ends up feeling a bit tacky. It doesn't help that some of the aesthetics are pretty dated. Uh, for me the worst example on this album is the song Nails for Breakfast. The worst auto tune I've heard uh, in a minute. Yeah, I understand that was a stylistic choice, but I just I I'm not I'm not generally feeling uh, this album. Do you have any conversation for that? Do you... I do like the singles. I like the singles. Yeah. I haven't I haven't delved deeply into
1: their discography or yeah. or this particular record in general, so I don't have a whole lot. Now, oddly enough, I don't dislike Anything I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you like the singles. I like the singles. Right. It's just as a, as a record all the way through, mm-hmm. it leaves a little. And I think that the way I picked mine, I wound up kind of attacking a genre mm-hmm. in a weird way. Kind of like you're talking about the way the fallout boy <laughs> is, the, is the better version to some degree of what you're hearing here. Yeah. This starts with you have... I'm starting with Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue. Which rate your music. Put Shout at the Devil as the number one rated glam hair metal album, mm. period. And that's funny to me, and I, I get it, in that it's a little bit rougher around the edges than a lot of the glam hair metal winds up being. I feel like Nikki is very good in a Gene Simmons kind of way of reading the room and getting the most out of what he's got as a songwriter and as a person who knows Mick is a good guitarist, and knows Tommy is a showman, and knows Vince has his moments and has a unique voice that can be utilized. If you look at their discography, I don't know that Motley Crue even has what I would call a classic Mm. record. They have a lot of records with two to three really good songs on. And as you see with them, they wind up, and this will come into play, Later, in like their Dr. Feelgood record is a little bit better through and through. The production's a lot slicker, though. And that mm. becomes something that other bands wind up rebelling against, and that will all be part of what I'm kind of talking about in general. But with this record, Shout at the Devil's a really good song. Looks to Kill is as good a song as they ever wrote. Mm. But, that being said, the rest of the record... Is it great? You got a cover of helter skelter on here. Too young to fall in love. It's okay. Ten seconds to love. It's okay. But you just they just say too young to fall in love over and over and over. Or ten seconds to love over and over and over. Which was a thing that wound up permeating in that genre, and it's what kind of eventually, you know, the slick production of of, of the Doctor Feelgood record that turns into what my next record's going to be talked about that opens up a doorway for Nirvana and other bands to come through that aren't mm. formulaic mm. anymore. But this record is good. I like it. It's just to me to say it is a classic Motley Crue album isn't really right. It's just got a good couple good songs on it. And if you, with Motley Crue am I saying they're overrated? I don't know. You know, if you have 12 to 15 pretty dang good songs and you can go out there and play them and own an arena, then you're not overrated if you're selling it out, mm. and that's
0: what they are capable of doing. Go ahead. Um, that's completely fair. I mean, I'm not particularly familiar with Motley Crue or, or just the general um, whole glam rock scene. I mean, I, of co- of course, that's beyond my generation. You will be after today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> of course, of course, that whole thing's beyond my generation. But I will say, as somebody who doesn't really feel a connection with that type of stuff that Motley Crue were putting out. I do feel like a, a lot a lot of my issue with Motley Crue is the songwriting and how uh, some, sometimes it, it does feel a little, um, what's the word to put it? Repetitive? It's absolutely rude. formulaic. Formulaic, yeah. They have I a think, formula,
1: they I repeat think, it, they repeat the chorus over and over. It's the kind of thing you can clap to. It's the kind of thing you can chant along to. And it's the kind of thing that filled arenas for 15 years.
0: Yeah. It, it, and it still it, does. It, it was the kind of thing that was made for arenas.
1: Absolutely. The it, kind of thing you can listen to once and like it.
0: Yeah, it was kind of... I, I was going to say something very... Uh, that, that was going to come across as very rude. How do I say it? It's the type of music that you can like... That's really good background noise for like when you're taking a lot of drugs to... Um, though I've never done that, the, I would I would say that's true. I would also say it's the kind of
1: music that you don't have to think too deeply about. No. And that's not. There are times when that is required in life. Yeah, and it, they and they fill that void well. And I will also say about all these bands we're talking about. Understand that at the Disco is somebody's Rolling Stones Beatles. Absolutely, Motley Crue is a whole lot of people's Beatles. You know what I mean? Absolutely. As, as, just because I feel this way doesn't...
0: No, absolutely. If, if you disagree with us, please share your opinion. I, I absolutely... Uh, do not think that any of these albums are like indefensible or something. I, I said I dislike that one record I don't think it's like straight garbage, Right. you said you like the hits I, I said I said I liked yeah I like the hits moving on to another album of mine that I definitely do not think is straight garbage mm-hmm. but, well, I do, but it's overrated, but I do find it to be overrated especially within the band the context of the band's discography um, and this is actually I don't know if I would claim them as one of my personal favorites, but I do recognize them as kind of one of the great metal bands, um, especially to come out of recent years. And my record would be Tool's Ten Thousand Days. Really? An album, it's an album that I kind of wrestle with a lot. While I believe it's the band's most emotionally potent work, and I also believe it starts out really strong, about as strong as pretty much any Tool record could start, any classic Tool record uh, would start out. My issues kind of stem with the songs surrounding uh, the second half a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would say that. Hold on. Let let, let me. Re- I got it, up. I got it right here. You starting with Lipan Lipencur- Conjuring or Lost Keys? I would say I would say Lipan Conjuring would be the uh, yes. Lipan Conjuring would be kind of the start where it's like okay. I feel like. If this were an EP, this mm-hmm. might be, this is one of the best bodies of work they've put out, right? So if it stops at, at the pot? If it stops at the pot, and maybe maybe has Rosetta stoned. Okay. If it stops at the pot, has Rosetta stoned, I think I think as an EP, I think this is fantastic. By the way, they have an EP
1: called Opiate. It is fantastic.
0: The, opiate is great, it is raw, it's nothing like any other tool thing right. they've done. Right, very, very true. Uh, but I do. Generally I think a lot of, a lot of the interlude tracks mm-hmm. kind of leave me to be a little bit o- underwhelmed. It was It's kind of a bit like my least, the parts that, while well, I do love this record and I believe it, it's a classic uh, Tool record, uh, Lateralis, and it's kind of, my, the parts of Lateralis I was a bit eh on, kind of furthered. Just generally I find the connective tissue of the record to be a little weaker. Uh, not, not saying that it's bad. What is a, uh, uh, in your opinion, overrated record?
1: Okay, we have the number 32-rated glam hair metal album, Death Leopard's Hysteria. Mm. It is their biggest-selling album. It's like a, it's 20 million sold. It was a you know hit after hit after hit. I do th- I, I when if I'm listening to the 80s channel and it comes on, uh, 1987 is when this was released. It's a good time in my life. I'm a junior in high school. I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Things are cool. Life's cool. I hear pour some sugar on me pop up. I get a smile on my face. There's nothing wrong with that record. But it did, not that record itself didn't age as well as I thought. Mutt, Mutt Lane was their producer and he is as slick as it gets. He has created some of the great, or helped to create some of the great music he produces back in black. You know, a lot of great records. And this record, he wanted to produce the the concept was, I'm going to do a hard rock version of Thriller. Mm. Every song on here we're going to write is going to be a hit. This is when Leopard goes from Pyromania, which is formulaic, but a little bit more raw, into more... The new wave of British hard rock and heavy metal was a thing, right? And you had Saxon and Def Leppard and Motorhead and Iron Maiden and Diamond Head and These bands all came over at one time and really blew things up, but it was very specific group that listened to it. Kind of, you know, males from the age of 12 to Mm. 29, right? Yeah. Leopard figured out they took the edges off what they were doing, and they made a whole lot more money than those other bands did because they figured out how to take the edges off. And instead of playing theaters, you know, it took a while for the Motorheads to get to where they're playing. Mm. big arenas without help from other bands for, for the uh, but for Leopard they were able to get people mm. a little bit older to listen to what they were doing, people a little younger but to me it became so overly formulaic, we have Animal we have Woman, we have Hysteria, all songs that are one word choruses, first of all drummer has a car wreck, loses an arm there's a three year gap between records it's incredible that the album was ever even made. Mm. It's The musicianship is good on this. I don't have a problem with it. It is just so over-the-top formulaic with Pour Some Sugar On Me or Animal or... But I do, I do like the record. It's just... It does not hold up over time. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I saw this tour in the Tallahassee Leon Civic Center in 1988. It was fantastic. I get it. Mm. But it just didn't hold up over time when you have things that start to kind of push against it as early on it would be you know your black crows with uh shake your money maker a stripped down more raw thing appetite for destruction is a stripped down more raw thing the interesting thing is we'll get into this later is how guns who was this appetite stripped down thing turns into what my next two records we're going to talk about are
0: kind of commenting on your Def Leopard thing again of course I um I don't necessarily connect with that type of music because, again, I'm younger. I do find that like the hits I've heard from Def Leppard, I do enjoy more than the hits I've heard from like Motley Crue, though.
1: Well, um. to, to your point, to your point, you're talking about Phil Collins, a great player. Um, mm-hmm. Alan, the drummer, they, they, he pounds it out really well. It's actually kind of incredible what he does. Joe Elliott's voice. Here's the thing about Vince. Vince is like an Axel. Vince is like a Mustang. Vince is like mm. uh, Hetfield. In that, either you like his voice or you don't. Mm. And if you don't like Vince Neil's voice, there's nothing Motley Crue can do to make you happy. Mm. Elliot, on the other hand, I think he's got kind of a whispery sound to what he does, even when he screams. Yeah, It's palpable for multiple types of people. It's easier to listen to, to me, hmm. and, I, and I think the uh, you know the I, I the also, musicianship is very
0: good I also on just, these records too. I also just generally think, and again, not particularly familiar, but I just generally think that they seemed like they were better at writing hooks. Oh, they dude. Their hooks.
1: Well, Motley Crue is it, a you know, Live Wire. They're singing about drugs mostly. Yeah, you know, (laughs) to to over over oversimplify. Whereas, you you know, hysteria when you're near, love bites, love bleeds, taking me to my knees. It's really simple hook, but it works. Yeah, it pops off. Right, Uh, animal, um, Armageddon. You know, those are songs that are really easy to hear once, Mm. and you kind of know it. Yeah, you know, which is what the hook is, right? Of course, which yeah. That's why it works with rap songs. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, you you have your bar, you get to the hook. The hook is what gets you into the top twenty. <laughs> the bars are what get you above everything else.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's a lot of comparisons you can actually draw with like hair, like that era of hair metal and like the newer generation of uh, hip hop and trap. Yeah, and, and like I, I don't, I'm not saying that to like like devalue either of the genre. I'm just saying no, like, not at all. Things kind of come and go, and that. Well, and not only that, what you want to listen to? Because back then, you would get some of
1: these songs played in, in in bars. You would get you know these these songs off of off of Hysteria. They're played on MTV right besides George Michael, mm. Madonna, Michael Jackson, and Prince. Mm. Right, so it's pop. And pop is always going to be something that you want to listen to when you're out about having a good time or when you're, it's not, pop that you want to sit around and think that you're listening, and think about when you're listening to it, that's a lot more rare.
0: Yeah. You know? Very rare. Uh, by the way, did you uh, have any comments on the Tool record that I brought up I didn't? I, to, to, to me, a lot of Tool,
1: uh, uh, that record felt, feels to me like a, a Tool record written for Tool fans. Yeah. That's okay. You should reward them, but Absolutely. it is, like you said. I, I, I thought you were spot on with it. I thought you were spot on with it. I enjoyed yeah. what you said.
0: Yes, yes, of course. You like you'll hear a bunch of diehard Tool fans be like, "Oh yeah, that's what, like their best." All right. And, uh, and then and then you'll be like me, or it's like, uh eh. I think um, like Anima has strong, like way stronger hooks. Like Lateralis is uh." a little better at at kind of expressing this really hypnotic kind of prog metal appeal. It
1: is interesting that Tool went from the Opiate and the Undertow records to where they were somewhat of a metal band Mm. into this really neat fusion of Mm. jam band with yeah. all those same
0: all, notes, all, chords, With all those progs and all those really complex like yes. uh, uh, like time signatures and uh, doing the whateverly what and the Fibonacci code. It, it uh, went from geometry to whatever to that like math it is, it, way, way above that. Whatever on Earth. It's, it's almost <laughs> like you can tell when they started taking hallucinogens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This is my next record, and this is this is a, a pretty big one for me. Kendrick Lamar is an artist that I liked. He's one of the, just the defining artists of, I, I would say, uh, kind of the younger generation. My mm-hmm. generation, I think he's pretty much undeniably a top five rapper of all time. Mm-hmm. I think that he has put out two generation-defining classics. I think that he came out with an extremely thought-provoking LP just last year. But I do find that his 2017 record, Damn, doesn't really hit me like the rest of his projects do. And I don't necessarily, when I first listened to it, I didn't really know why. Like, I, I didn't, because people, people loved this record. Uh, people loved how heady this record was, how, how <laughs> there's this whole weird thing with, like, playing it in reverse, which I tried out, and I, I still have the same feelings that I do about the record. You mean, um, going, you mean going from the last track to the going first? Going to the last track to the first track. That's the whole damn deluxe addiction, is that um, it's the track list in reverse. Really? Um, yeah, and it's that uh, you listen to it in reverse and it gets a whole different story, um, supposedly. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, it, though it doesn't really change my overall opinions of the record. Right. I have a lot of issues with the record. I don't necessarily like the way that a lot of the beats sound. Uh, there's a lot of songs... Uh, lust, for instance, or um, Love, uh, that I'm not, uh, actually, I, I, don't, I don't particularly uh, remember Lust. Lust is one of those songs for me which is an issue with kind of some of the songs on here like Lust and God and etc. cetera that just kind of leave me kind of scratching my head and going, huh, okay. Uh, but there are some songs on here that I do genuinely dislike. I, I'm not a fan of loyalty. Uh, With Rihanna. I'm not a fan of love. I I find both those songs kind of annoying though There are songs here that I do really like like uh, I think XXX with you too. I think that song's phenomenal. I think Duckworth is one of Kendrick's best songs period. I think that DNA again DNA is really good. I think that element is quite good When I finish this album, I'm kind of left with mixed feelings uh, whether it be just the general issue with kind of how the record sounds to me, um, which is that I don't particularly like how a lot of the beats are produced. Uh, A lot of, some of them are like really spacious and it can kind of leave the beats sounding a little weaker than normal, especially when comparing it to an album like To Pimp a Butterfly, where um, all the production is live recorded. And all all the beats, all the instrumentals are very full. And they're very fresh sounding. Yeah, it's just not—it's not a particular record that I am in love with. It's not—it's not one of his albums that I'm in love with. Yeah, so that—that's pretty much my big. <laughs> uh, hot how do you feel? I like that it? record. I like that record a lot. That I like- was uh, it. It's—I
1: will say that a lot, and I, I may just be getting to a point that I'm just too old. But a lot of music that I hear, it doesn't stay with me for multiple years. Mm. A lot, you know, and this was a record that I liked it a lot. Knee jerk reaction, it was cool. Uh, I was, I was going up to the gym a little bit when it first came out. Put it on when I got on a treadmill. It's the whole thing. I really love humble, which was the hit, you know. And then I, I liked the record in general. I never stopped a song or, or fast forwarded over a song or anything like that. But by the same token, once I got onto something else, I never went back. Mm. Which tells me everything I need to know. You know, do I like that record? Absolutely. I like the Black Panther soundtrack, I listen to it all the time. Yeah. Years later. <laughs> Pip butterfly, I still go back. Yeah. But mm. this record I, I've never gone back to yeah. find. If I hear something on the radio from it, sure, cool, great. Or if something pops up, I'm in
0: the car with somebody, they wanna play it, cool. You know? <laughs> no problem. Let's go. It's funny, I do actually kind of find this record a little similar to the tool record. It, in the sense that it, it, it again it is kind of the artist's more personal work and it feels like it was made for like people who know him yeah people who are super which again by
1: know him i'm i'm saying follow him read about follow him, him specifically
0: he's absolutely. their thing absolutely
1: not um, friends. <laughs> no, no,
0: you can like this. Uh, you can like this album without being a friend personally of Kendrick Lamar. Right, and it's a good. Um, you know, and you, I think you're saying it's a good yeah, record. I think it's a good record. Right, I, 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 do, I do think it is above average record. It's just not his. Uh, it's best just work not for it's, you. It's pretty much my least favorite studio album by him. Okay. Of course, not counting the whole K Dot mixtape EPs, which are just kind of again, EPs that he made when he was like a teenager. Yeah, uh, I even prefer like Section 80. And and again, I, I really liked uh, Mr. and The Big Steppers. I thought thought that album was a very good bounce back. I I did not connect with it like I did connect with his other works. Or at least I didn't get out of it what a lot of people did. Right. Um, and if you got out of it, what, you know, good on you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And enough people got a lot out of it that it's not odd that they, somebody gets something out of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely, right? Um, it's my turn? Yes, it's your turn for if your it, final overrated. If it's okay, I'm going to do my last overrated and my first underrated at Absolutely. the same time. Because it, I get I get them from the same time period. And um, Guns N' Roses released 30 songs at one time ambitiously called the Use Your Illusion Records 1 and 2. They released them separately because... Mm. Uh, according to Mr. Rose, we wanted if, if a kid didn't have enough money to spend mm. twenty-five dollars on a record at the time and he had nine dollars, I thought, great, he can buy this nine dollar record. And then if he wants to buy the other one down the road, he can buy that one down the road. Mm. They get released. This is at the time they are on the short list of biggest bands in the world. They hadn't released anything really new new in a while, except for the acoustic half of GNR Lies, the album's debut at number one and two on the Billboard charts. They have hit after hit after hit. These are some of my favorite records. Both of them are. Some of my favorite pieces of work are on both these records. But two I feel like is seen in I have the same issue with both records, but in two I feel like it's more glaring. Mm -hmm. Which is why I'm kind of taking a shot at it. And most people, I think, believe two is a better record than one. Mm -hmm. And two has more ambitious moments. Mm -hmm. Although one has very ambitious moments as well. Coma, things like that. We'll get to that. But two has Civil War. Mm -hmm. The beauty of Civil War, uh, it's epic. Yeah. The little cool hand Luke moment in the front is wonderful. What we've got here, failure to communicate. It takes you into it, boom, it's fantastic. But that little moment where they pull something from somewhere else and stick it in the middle of this, they do time and again on these records. Mm -hmm. And I feel like these records, Appetite for Destruction, you can't tell me exactly when it was made. If you said this record came out at the same time as Sticky Fingers came out, I would be like, okay, to some degree. This record I can tell you was made in the early 90s. Yeah. There's weird noises. There's Axel messing with his voice. I think it's Axel messing with his voice in the studio to sound like the devil. There's Axel uh, doing I mean There's a little rant at the end of Breakdown, which is a fantastic song, but he's just saying the last words of a cult classic movie that nobody knows. I don't know why it's there. <laughs> nobody else does. There's um Get in the ring, he goes on this really crazy rant towards people who publish magazines he doesn't like. Now, he says that the other band members ask him to do it. There's this odd moment in the front of Get in the Ring where they announce the – it's like a fighting – it's like before a boxing match, and they announce Guns N' Roses' cumulative weight in this corner as they're going to beat up – they're going to kick your bitchy little butt is what they say. And it's just really odd because "Getting Ring" would be a good song. It is a good song, but it's got this weird stuff in and out of it that, uh, to me, don't allow it to be as great as it could. I really would. I will say this: you can tell the disjointedness. "Knocking on Heaven's Door" has a strange phone call in the middle of
0: it. Yeah, that always, even as a kid, that weirded me out. Right. It's why is it there? The it, it, studio version, right? It's just why yeah. it's there. I mean, and obviously, you know, the infamous My World.
1: I've been trying to, probably the reason why I think this album is worse than the other one is, I want to say that on Usual Illusion 2 is the alternate lyrics for Don't Cry. Mm. And that goes into My World. So, granted, they gave us 30 tracks. My world's not really a song. That's Axel, some in some way rapping over something he thinks sounds like Nine Inch. It's crazy. It's yeah. I've tried to deny to myself that he was in trying to make a song out of that. I've tried to deny that song exists because I'm a big, you know, I'm a big defender of him and all of his little Id- Id- idiosyncrasies. And don't cry. It's alternate lyrics to a song that's on the first album. It's pretty good. I don't know that it needs to be there, but. Like I said, there are hugely great moments in this. Absolutely. And you can tell, like, the the, You Could Be Mine was written mm-hmm. in the Appetite era. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to Appetite and you listen to You Could Be Mine, you can tell Matt sorm has got a bigger drum kit than Steven had. There's no swing to that song. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a fantastic song. But you can see there evolving in that one a little bit further away. Now, it does have a strange and the epicness of that. It has a lot of really, like I said, it's got great songs. I'd love to sit down sometime and just talk about the different stories of this record and how these records were made and what each song is like about because you you can tell who brought what song to the band, that kind of thing. But when you go over to the Illusion album 1, which is the one I'm going to talk about now, it's a heavier album, mm-hmm. except for November Rain, except for the, well, it's Don't on both albums, I guess, but this is the original version. Don't Cry is the first song they ever wrote. When I say it's weird, because like Slash said, it's 30 songs written at 30 completely different times. Izzy and Axel write Don't Cry as the first song they ever wrote. Mm-hmm. It's strange on the other record, Axel, this footage of him playing that in a, in Mark Cantor's wedding because the person who was supposed to play piano at Mac, Mark Cantor's wedding didn't show up, mm-hmm. so they said, "Hey, Axel, you mind playing piano?" He said, "Sure." And while people are walking into a wedding, he's playing the instrumental portion of Estranged. Now you get into it, it's a heavier album, it's a darker album. The The Illusion record, the first Illusion record, there is a lot of Izzy Stradlin. Material on there. You Ain't the First is a song that he wrote. Dustin Bones is a song that he wrote. Izzy is Izzy's the difference between. That's why they never got it back. Because mm. Izzy was more Axel's soulmate in writing than Slash was. Slash was really good at taking what they did and spinning it. But the Izzy and Axel combination of writing music would never get duplicated again. It's why we haven't. I believe it's why we haven't gotten a, a User Illusion three yet. Mm. To me, though, I do, and I, and I love that. I mean, Coma is this really crazy, broad, long song about it, it. You know, it's got heartbeats in it and stuff like that. But yeah. it is also fantastic, and I, I really enjoy that song. Um, I, I love both the records, but I do feel like, the, and I've heard Slash say it, I heard Slash literally get into an argument with one of the guys on Eddie Trunk's set, because he was saying that Use Your Illusion 2 is a better, heavier album, and Slash was like, no, 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 it's it's Use Your Illusion 1's the heavier album, and it's the, it's the better record. And it, it, Even though it's heavier, it's got November Rain, which, as you said, may be the greatest power ballad of all time, right? Mm.
0: And well, yet, I'd have to check up on what it considers a power ballad, but yeah, I mean, it's up there. Right. And yet, here's this guy arguing with him. Slash. Doesn't Slash. know what,
1: what's the heavier Slash record. doesn't know
0: the music he made. <laughs> what's the
1: heavier record? You want to just stop here and then do the underrated episodes on the next pod, part two? The nods are yes. So let's cut it. Thank you to all our friends at The Game Project. Thank you to all our friends at The Daily Smart. Game Project. The G-I-N-N Project. Dot com. Daily DailySmart at the DailySmart One word Thank you for listening And if you want to comment Find us on the Twitter machine Find us on the Facebook Comment, talk to us, let us know what's going on If you know my number,
0: hit me up And that is a wrap And thank you for listening to Ray's Music Reviews